Guys, that's such a cool, um, cool story, right? Um, God is just moving around the world, and I just, I'm excited um, that we get to be a part of it as a church, and as God's um, just opening door after door for us to be able to partner with people um, who are already doing things around the world that are um, that, that are pushing the gospel forward. Our, our heart is that we would be a church that is a sending church. We're sending missionaries, church planners. Our heart is to be supporting people who are doing gospel ministry around the world. Um, and you know, while some of us won't ever go full time, we can pray, send, and 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 equip people that are going and sending and going. Our heart today is that you would understand. That's what we're talking about today on this last week of Above and Beyond. So um, I just want to kind of clarify, you know, each week that you guys have seen um, uh, somebody come up here and share. Um, it's been it's been very special to, to be able to partner with these people, the people that God has just very, very much so highlighted to, to us to be partnering with, going, walking alongside of in their ministry, not just supporting them with money, but also supporting them with prayer. And hopefully, I, I pray that we send people from this church to Liberia to go encourage pastors, encourage people. I pray that was one of our yearly mission trips in the future. We're able to go and, and actually meet Pastor Emmanuel firsthand and love on him and, and encourage him. That's, that's our heart as a church is to be a sending church, whether that's full-time or short, um, full-time or short-term. And so I, I pray that will become your heart too. And as that video was playing, I, I was just praying to the Lord that he would plant seeds during this Above and Beyond series that would germinate and that would produce a harvest in us to see um, gospel ministry be the most important thing in our life. Because if we're going to say, hey, I believe the Bible, then that's what the Bible teaches. And so this morning, if you don't know me, my name is Michael Page. I'm excited that you're here. If it's your first time here, I'm excited that you're here. Um, I, we're, we're in the last week of our Above and Beyond series. This, For those of you that haven't been here, this is your first week. This is a vision series that we have once a year. We take up an offering above and beyond what we normally give. So if this is your first week. Don't feel any pressure. Just uh, just observe and pray that the Lord would open your eyes and your ears to hear the gospel this morning in a way that's brand new. And so um, last week we looked at Matthew chapter 22 and Micah chapter 6, and we saw how the church was supposed to live inside the communities that were planted in, not just in Garden City, but wherever you live, whether it's in Effingham County or Richmond Hill or in Liberty County somewhere, or you live in Savannah, no matter where you're at, God has called you as a Christian to live in your communities as a catalyst to reach people around you. You were not placed by your next door neighbor for no reason. You were placed there for a purpose, and God's called us to live in that way, trusting God that he's placed us there for a reason. We said last week that unless a church has made the mission of God according to Scripture, its mission, everything else that we do is pointless and a waste of time and resources. And our heart today is that's, that we, that's what we would see. And as a church, we believe that doing justice, like we saw in Micah 6, that doing justice, loving mercy, and humbly walking with the Lord our God is more than just serving once a week at a church gathering. It's a lifestyle. And we believe it's going to take, it's about taking up the causes of the broken and the vulnerable in your life. And we believe that doing justice is a way that we fulfill the commands to God and to love our neighbor. And so this morning, uh, we want to see that as a church that we always want to align everything we do. And I'm not just talking about us collectively. I'm talking about us individually in your life. We want to align everything we do with what scripture says God's people should be. As we read scripture, the scripture should be reading us. The Holy Spirit will convict us. We're called to change. We're called to align, to mold ourselves into the image of Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit to do and to be the people that he's called us to be. And we want to see a move of God happen in our lives, in our gatherings, in our communities. And the only way that happens is if we're surrendered and submitted to the move of the Holy Spirit in our life to be who he's called us to be. Right? Are we tracking this morning? 
Okay, this morning, that's the heart. So we're believing that the greatest things that God wants us to do through this church are still ahead of us. The best is yet to come, is what we always say. And during these past four weeks, our goal was to reflect on what is the level of giving in our time, our treasure, and our talent that would unequivocally declare that Jesus is first in your life. Y'all remember that? That's what we've been talking about for the last four weeks. What's the level of giving in your time, your treasure, your talent that would just unequivocally say that Jesus is first in your life? I follow Christ. What does that mean? What is that for you and your family? Because we want to be a church that does things here with so much faith that if God doesn't move on our behalf, that we look crazy. That's what we want to see. And the main goal of this series was to challenge you, to challenge ourselves, to ask the question, does God get the first and the best of everything in your life? And I want to venture to say that the answer is probably no, because I, there were some things in my life where I had to kind of adjust and think and, 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 and kind of rethink how I'm doing things in my life. But that's the beauty of series like this where we read scripture and try to apply it to our life and try to readjust, try to rechart the course that God is li- leading us into. But the secondary goal of this church of this is that our church would, would pray how God would have us to give to see these things God's calling us to, to come to pass. Today, we'll have a time of offering, a time of commitment, where we'll, we'll have the chance to say, Lord, this is what it looks like for my family to love you with our all. And at the end of this service, we're going to have a, a taking an above and beyond offering where we'll give what God is leading us to give above and beyond what is normal for our family. This is not a replacement tithe. This is a one-time offering on top of what's normal to give above what we normally give so that we can go beyond what we normally go. We want to support people like Pastor Emmanuel as he's doing some frontline work in places that have never heard the name of Jesus. How, what, I, what I love about that is I was, as I was listening to BJ talk and I was, I was watching that video, what I learned is like, you may never go to Liberia. You may never go to some of the villages that Emmanuel goes to. You may never present the gospel to the people that he presents the gospel to, but you can be an, an investor in his ministry, right? You can, you can have a legacy in that ministry of seeing people come to Christ through the work that he's doing. And I love 1 Corinthians and Acts. You see the church taking up offerings and, and taking up and giving it to different places so that the gospel can move forward, so that finances are just not a question. We can just The gospel can move freely around the world. I love seeing the church. I don't even know Emmanuel, but he's my brother. And I'm able to love him through prayer and through, through giving and loving on him. And that's the heart. Our goal, our goal was to raise $49,000. Not to pay a light bill, but to go above and beyond with the work that God is leading us into as a church locally around Savannah, Effingham, Bryan County, around, around the world, around Liberia and Thailand and Haiti and other parts of Africa that we have connections in, but also to our church planting network. We're going to, we believe God's called us to plant churches around the world, but he's also called us to plant churches around here. And we believe that we're going to send Patrick and Catherine out at the end of 2022, and we're going to send them out with resources, and they're going to be able to plant a church um, free of, 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 of little concern. They'll have some probably as church planters, but they're going to be able to kind of have some, some, some little bit of comfort and resources as they go. But what, the reason why I'm so excited about today, it's not about the offering. It's not about the money. I'm excited about this sermon today, actually. But I look at my son and look at my daughter and sometimes God just kind of shakes me out of the monotony of my life and the things I got to do and check boxes I have to check. And sometimes he just shakes me off and he reminds me that years from now, my son and my daughter are going to grow up and they're going to follow Jesus, I pray. They're going to know the Lord and the way they know the Lord is the way that I know the Lord now. 
The way that I respond to my Savior now, the way that I respond to my Lord now, am I obedient to the Lord? Am I, am I praying in front of them, showing how to read Scripture? Am I, am I saying we're going to do things with so much faith in this family that we look crazy? We're going to depend on the Holy Spirit's power in our life to do what we can't do. And I, what I want to see in this, in this church is uh, years from now, we'll be able to look at that next generation that's in those classrooms that are going to come in here at the very end. And we're going to do this as a whole church. And those classrooms behind you over there, those, aren't, those kids aren't getting babysat. They're memorizing scripture. They're not just learning about Noah's Ark. They're, they're learning how uh, Psalms 46, where it says, be still and know that I am God. What does that mean? They're teaching kids what that means. And this would, we're praying that this would always be a launching pad for all that God wants to do in this house. And like I said before, it's never been about the money. It'll never be about the money because God's not, he, he, don't, have, he, don't, have, he don't have needs. My God doesn't have needs that he, he, wants, he needs us to fulfill, right? He's inviting us in to be a part of what he's doing. And how much of a blessing is that? That is awesome. Guys, it's always going to be about our obedience to what God is calling us to do. And we'll fight to do it boldly and faithfully. And as long as I'm pastor here, I promise you, I'm going to aggravate you until we're doing it together, obediently and faithfully. We're going to do things with so much faith that it's going to hurt and be scary, but it's going to be awesome because we're doing it together. Yeah. That's the heart. That's what we want to see. And in the third week of this series, this is my, probably my favorite, the fourth week, excuse me, we're going to look at what our role is as the local church in reaching the ends of the earth. Anybody ever been to Thailand before? Anybody ever been to Liberia? Any places? Listen, guys, I know some of y'all have been places. Just, just go with me on this. But you, you may never have been to these places. But you can be an investor and you can hold a legacy there in those places by being a church that is a rope holder for people that do go. Does that make sense? I never want somebody to feel bad because they're not a full-time missionary because God may have called you to be an intercessor here for the people that go. And our heart today is this. That's what we would do. So today our main text is going to be in Romans 10 and Romans 15. So if you want to turn to Romans 10 and to Romans 15, we're going to look in there and um, we're going to do that. So while, while you do that, I'm going to pray and then we'll jump right in. God, we love you. We praise you. We adore you, God. We honor you this morning, God, because you're the only one that deserves glory, honor, and praise. God, as BJ said, Lord, we were sinners. We were the worst of sinners before you saved us, God, and we honor you for saving us, God. We thank you for making a way, Father, where there should have been no way, God. We, know, we, we, we pray this morning that we would submit our hearts and our lives to you, God, in a way that is uncommon in the church. God, I pray this would be a church that is on fire for you, God. This church would, would, would just ignite with passion for you, God. The, the seeds that will be sown in our hearts today through Scripture would just come alive in us, God, where we cannot sit still knowing there's people in the world that don't know Jesus. God, I pray this morning that we would be a church that's unified, that loves one another, God, that is on mission together. God, that, that we would fight for unity. We would fight for maturity in this place, God. And you would do something amazing in us, God, where we can look back years from now and say, look what God has done. God, we thank you, we praise you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so um, if you're like me, I love movies. Anybody like movies in here? A few of us. I go to a movie uh, once a week, try to, do a little decompression time, and I get away from people, turn my phone off, you know. Anybody? No, just me. Okay. So, um, so specifically military movies. I love military movies, specifically like timepiece movies like The Patriot, Braveheart. Yeah, Gladiator, right? That's my favorite movie, Gladiator. So those movies that are just like the time that you see the, you see how that. And so something uh, there's there's something about the concept of a mission 
that captivates my heart, right? Something, there's a mission to get done and we're gonna go do it and we're gonna fight for it. We're gonna do it together. And we're gonna see the mission carried out. We're gonna see it completed and then the credit's gonna roll and then our adrenaline's gonna be pumping and it's gonna be awesome, right? That's kind of the, the mentality that, that I look at as I look at these, these movies that I, that I enjoy watching and I, and I look at, there's always this one scene. I shared this before with you, but there, there's always this one scene where you have the, the commanding officer in this room and he's saying, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna do this, 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 this. You go here, you go here, you do this. Make sure you do this because if you don't do this, we're gonna be in trouble. And so all these things happen. And then you say, all right, let's go. We're going out and doing the mission. And so they go out. And so my question is, as I was thinking about this series, as I was thinking about this concept in Romans 10 and 15 that we're gonna look at with Paul, is if what if two or three of those dudes in that place said, you know what? I'm just not feeling the mission today. I'm just going to go off over here by this tree and take a nap while my other friends go do the mission. What would happen is it would leave their brothers and sisters, it would leave their brothers and sisters that are on the mission with them, they would leave them out to dry because they would be out and they would be lost and they would be uh, in danger of, be, of dying, of death. And so what would happen in those moments? And so that's what the church has kind of done in a lot of ways. We, the, there's a lot of Christians that go to church and claim Christ and say, hey, I love Jesus. I love the Bible. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe all these things. But when it comes to the mission of God of making disciples, of evangelizing the world, of seeing the gospel go to the ends of the earth, we tend to back up and kind of expect full-time missionaries to go do that. We'll just kind of pray for them every now and then. But the mission of God, that's not what it's called to be. Christianity is a missional faith. Christianity is a sending faith. It's a sending faith that drives us out into the world to bring the message of Jesus to those who are hurting, oppressed, lost. You, you, you hear that? You agree with this? Like this morning as we read this, like there's a few texts that, that I think that, that have been as important to the Christian church in regards to this as Isaiah 6, 8. It won't be on the screen. But this is what it says, Isaiah 6, 8. Isaiah says, I, Then I heard the voice of the Lord asking, Who will I send? Who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. And how many of us are willing to go where God says go and do what God says do? Because a lot of times we go through the motions of religion. We get baptized. And I'll ask people like, Yeah, I'll go. Yeah, I'll do. But that's about as far as it goes sometimes as a church. And my heart today is that we would see that Isaiah in Isaiah's day, the king had just died. Israel was split up into a north and a south kingdom, and Israel and Isaiah's king had just died. So there was there was people coming in and trying to take over the south kingdom. There was people trying to come over. There was terrorism happening. Political unrest. Sound familiar? Right? There was a lot of things that were happening. But Isaiah had a vision of God, and then what did he do with that vision? He fell on his face as though dead, and said, "Woe is me! I'm ruined." And so an angel comes up, touches his lips with a burning coal. He says, he says, you're clean. And then he says, you know, then God gives him a mission and says, I want you to go take my message to my people. And he says, who will go for me? And Isaiah says, I'll go. He wasn't worried about the things of the life anymore. He wasn't worried about the, the uncertainties of politics. He wasn't worried about terrorism. He wasn't worried about the things in our life. He had seen God and he responded to God by submitting to God and going with God wherever he leads. And that's the heart that we want to be in this morning because in the throne room of God, all of Isaiah's issues seem to kind of vaporize, right? In the throne room of God, after Isaiah had confessed his sin, God asked who he can send to the nations with his message. And without hesitation, what do they say? Here I am, send me. Send me, Lord, I'm ready. And I think Isaiah's words exemplify the proper response to any person who encounters the holy God. If you come in this house this morning, you say, I know Jesus. I've experienced an encounter with my Lord, whether it's in prayer or in a worship service 
or driving your car. God has revealed himself to my heart. He has convicted me of my sin. I have repented and I've come to him for salvation. In that moment, the only response that you can give to him is a life surrendered to fulfilling God's mission because we are intimately aware of his goodness. Because God is good. The, the fact that we have a Savior points to God being good because we don't deserve salvation. That's the beauty of grace. So I want to skim through Scripture this morning as we go for a second. I want us to see this morning what God's mission requires of his followers. Is that okay? So now I'm assuming as I start, I'm assuming that there are Christians in this room. I'm assuming that. I'm assuming also that there are people in this room that are claiming Christ but haven't lived their life like they're Christ followers. I'm assuming that. Um, I'm also assuming there's people in this room that don't know Christ. Um, they want to, but, it, but just may never thought it was important. But this morning, we've asked this question before. As we talk about these things, as we ask the question of what, the one, what's the one thing that drives everything else in your life, my question is, it, is it the mission of God? Is it the mission of God according to Scripture? Is it to reach people with the gospel? Or is it to pad your life with comfort and entertainment? Because I want to tell you something right now. A life lived for 60 or 70 years with comfort and entertainment is nothing compared to a life of eternal security in Christ. This morning, hear that this morning, please. Because the question that every cultural Christian has to wrestle with, every cultural Christian in this room or in the world has to wrestle with Acts 1, 8. Where Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So if you're a Christian in here that has been playing the games of church and Sunday school and Bible study, what have you done with this verse? What do you do in your life with this verse? Because the next thing we see in this verse is that the conjunctions used in this verse are super important, which is why we need to study God's word, right? It says, Jerusalem and Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It doesn't say or anywhere in the verse. And so as growing up in a Baptist church, I was always thought that, I, was, I just thought, I wasn't taught this, I just assumed. Uh, I was always, I just, I just thought that, you know, well, I can choose between Jerusalem or Judea, Samaria, or to the ends of the earth. I think I'm going to stay in Jerusalem because that's in Brooklyn and it's safe and it's small, right? But that's not what the Bible teaches, the Bible teaches I'm called to go into the Jerusalem. I'm called to go to Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I'm called to go to all those places. But the thing is, the way that that looks might be different. We're going to talk about that in a moment. And so God's call to go is all-encompassing. It's all-encompassing. And we can't be so focused on our Jerusalem, on our Savannah, on our Rincon, on our Richmond Hill, that we forget the rest of the call. Because the mission of God is not divided. The mission of God is holistic. The mission of God is holistic. It's, it's all-encompassing. But the church has taken this scripture and made it optional. Guys, the spread of God's glory among all nations is not an optional program that we have for a few Christians in the church. Do you hear that? It's not an optional program that we have for, oh, oh you know, BJ's a super solid Christian. We should send him. I'm going to sit back here and just pray. That's not what we're called to do. Like, it's the ultimate purpose for every Christian that has breath. If you say, hey, I follow Jesus, what the Bible says is you're called to go. It might be across your street, across your cubicle, across your classroom hall, across someone, but you're called to go. 
And you're called to invest globally into the Great Commission because let me tell you, the church has taken the Great Commission in Matthew 28 and it's watered it down into this option for people who may be stronger in their faith and called to be a full-time missionary. But let me be clear about something this morning. All Christians are sent to carry the gospel to all nations. All Christians. That could be as an equipper where you train missionaries and you send them out. That could be as a prayer, an intercessor. That could be as a sender. I'm going to send money. I'm going to send prayers and resources. I'm going to go encourage. That could be as a goer where I'm going to pack up my family and my life because God has called me to go and I cannot shake it. So this morning, my heart will be that you would understand that. But the call is clear and the call is precise and all for all of us to, who follow Jesus. And you have to ask the question, and this convicts me as I, even as I ask him. My question is that you would just open your heart and listen to this this morning and, do a, and think about this clearly. So if, if God called you or your child to be a full-time missionary, would you quench the spirit and the voice of the Holy Spirit because it doesn't fit into your plans? Just think about that for a second. Because I think about this, Braxton Chloe gets called to the mission field. What's my first response? I pray to God that it'll be celebratory. I pray to God that it'll be celebratory and I send them. Not because they eat too much, because, I, because they just follow Jesus. You know, I, I want to send them to the, to the nations. And that, that, but the problem is we've created these plans and agendas that we, in our lives for our children and for ourselves. And we end up quenching the Lord's voice in our life. My question and my challenge this morning are we, to you is are we clinging to our plans? Are we submitted to God's plans? That's a big question. And I pray this is just not a, a church question where you go out and forget about it at lunch. I pray you wrestle with this this week. Am I called? Is my children called? But if so, let me tell you, if that's what you do, if you quench the voice of the Lord in that, you're removing yourselves from the purposes that you were created for. You're removing yourself from the Great Commission. As you look into Scripture this morning, if you, if you got your Bible, just place your hand up. As you look in this word this morning, the, the whole from Genesis to Revelation, we see God's plan is to have his glory fill the entire earth and to have a church who is committed to his name with every nation being represented, worshiping his name. Do you see that? And so that's what's his intention from the beginning. Can I just show you that for a second? Can, I just, can you just buckle up for a second and listen really fast? The, the intent of this exercise is not for you to write down every verse. If you want this after church, I'll give it to you. But just listen to the narrative that's found in Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. Can you do this for a second? So in Genesis chapter 128, God's first words to humankind, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth with my glory and rule over it. Genesis 3, 1 to 24 says, sin enters the world bringing death and separation. God decides to wipe out the whole earth by a flood and start over with Noah's family. Genesis 9, God's first words to Noah after he out the ark, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth with my glory, rule over it. Genesis 11, 1, there was a language, there was one language on the earth. The people's main sin at the Tower of Babel was that they wanted to make a name for themselves instead of making a name for God. Genesis eleven seven, 7, God creates a new language for all the people, spreads the people out through all the earth, fulfilling his original intent to spread his name among the nations, his glory among the nations. Genesis 12, the story of the redemption starts. God chooses Abraham and his descendants, Israel, as a, as a special people to bless him, bless, be blessed by him so that they would be a blessing to all peoples. Genesis 18, covenant repeated to Abraham in the presence of other men so that it will be, so be verified. Genesis 22, Abraham hears the covenant again 
again, after his willingness and obedience to sacrifice his son, the test that God gave him, God says, I swear by myself that this will happen. You look in Galatians chapter three, Paul called the gospel Abraham's call to the bless the nations. We are sons of Abraham by faith. Listen fast. Genesis 26, Isaac gets the same promise passed on to him. Genesis 28, Jacob gets the same promise passed on to him. Exodus 6, God reminds Moses of the covenant and says that he is going to free Israel from slavery because of the promise. Deuteronomy 2, God would make all nations under heaven hear about the and, and fear Israel so that all people would know and worship Yahweh. Deuteronomy 4, God gives Israel the Ten Commandments so that the nations would see their wisdom and understanding and know that Israel's God is near them and hears their prayers. Joshua 2, Rahab, a Gentile, hears, excuse me, helps Israel because she has heard about their God and has blessed Israel. 1 Chronicles 14, the Lord makes all nations fear David because he was a man after God's own heart. 1 Chronicles 16, 24, 28, and 31, David begins announcing that all nations would worship God. 2 Chronicles chapter 9, King Solomon was greater in riches and wisdom than all of kings of the earth. People from all nations listened to him. Nehemiah 6, all the nations were in awe when the wall was built in 52 days. Psalm 67, David understood God's heart for the nations. God blessed us so that the ends of the earth may fear him. Psalms 46, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations and all the earth. Isaiah 26, Israel understood that its task was to be God's messengers to the salvation of the nations, and it had not done its job. Ezekiel 5, Jerusalem was set in the center of all nations. Israel's geographic location in the world was strategic and using it as a blessing to all nations. Isaiah 42, God will put his spirit in his servant and chosen one, Jesus. This is a prophecy of Jesus to bring justice to the nations. Isaiah 52, God's people will know God's name and God's spirit will one day fill his people to carry the good news to all nations. Daniel 6, a Gentile king, Darius, tells all peoples, nations, and language to fear and revere the God of Daniel. Daniel 7 is a vision of the Son of Man, Jesus, given dominion, power, and the kingdom wherever he goes. All nations and peoples will serve him. Amos 9, God loves all nations, all peoples equally. Malachi 1, God's name will be made great among all the nations. The word nations is used over 500 times in the Old Testament. Mark 11, Jesus understood God's desire for all nations. He says, my house will be called a house for a prayer for all the nations. Matthew 24, the gospel will be preached in all the world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing and teaching them to obey Christ. Mark 16, go into the, all the world and proclaim the gospel to the nations. Luke 24, Jesus opened their mouths so they can understand, minds so they can understand the scriptures, the Old Testament. Christ will suffer and rise on the third day and bless us. And then, re and then repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached to all nations to bless others. John 20, Jesus tells the disciples, just as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you into the world. Acts 1.8, the Holy Spirit will give you power to be my witnesses in J Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Acts 2, Jesus said to, to stay in Jerusalem because it was a strategic center. Acts 2, 4, 6, 8, and 11, the coming of the Holy Spirit is the highlight of the New Testament. The disciples were to wait for him to come before ministering. It's the day the church started. 3,000 people got saved. The Holy Spirit begins his ministry and sets the tone for the rest of the New Testament by having people from every nation hear the gospel on the, in their own language on the first day. Romans 10, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans 15, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ has not been named. Revelation 5, people are redeemed from every tribe, tongue, and people, and nation. And then finally in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 and 10, he says this, after this, I looked 
And there was a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language, which no one could number, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And they were clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. And they cried out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. That's awesome. From Genesis to Revelation, God has one purpose, to see all nations reach for the glory of God. This morning, I pray that is our heart. Guys, Jesus has an unwavering commitment to gather his church from all peoples of the world, not just Americans, not just Westerners, but all peoples, every shade, every language, every tribe to worship him. And this is the plan that is very clear in Scripture. And because of all of this is true, as a Christ follower, you can see that your role as a Christian is way bigger than just attending church once a week. Do you see that? And that's the sadly, but that's what, we've, that's what we've limited it to. So my question for you today as a Christ follower is what is your role in God's plan to reach the world? Think about that. What is your role in, in God's plan to reach the world? Let's look at Romans chapter 10, verse 8 through 15 this morning. This is Paul speaking to the Roman church. He wrote this book from Corinth. 10 verse 8. It says, the message is near you in your mouth and in your heart. This is the message of faith that we proclaim. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What a promise. One believes with his heart resulting in righteousness and one confesses with his mouth resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame since there is no distinction between Jew and Greek because the same Lord of all richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the reference to Joel 2, 32. How then? Listen, if you've got your Bible circle, can. The word can is very important. How then can they call on him? If they have not believed in him, and how can they believe in him unless they, without hearing about him, and how can they hear about him without a preacher? And he's not talking about me, he's talking about you, he's talking about us together. And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Let's self evaluate this morning. This is not to condemn, this is to challenge. Because I want you to see. There is an energy, an urgency, a fired upness. I know that's not a word for you teachers. There's a, there's a thing that, that happens in your gut that just fires you up to be a part of what God is doing in the world. So listening to Romans 10, as a Christ follower, where are you really at on this? Does it bother us that there are people that don't know the name of Jesus? I was going to look up the statistic this morning. I can't remember what it was. There's a, there's a large number of people that die every day without Christ, which means they will spend eternity apart from Christ. Does that bother us as believers? Does it, does, it, does it bother us that people don't know Jesus? Does it bother us that there are people that have a false sense of who Jesus is, therefore are deceived in believing they're saved? Does it bother us? Then we should be sending people. We should be going and telling and proclaiming the love of Jesus, because we, and this is what I want you to hear this morning, know this, we forget about this a lot of times. We have to be aware that there are spiritual forces at work right now to stop God's plan in the earth, which could explain some of your complacency. 
Why we may be complacent is because the enemy has tempted, lulled us to sleep into believing that self-comfort and, and complacency is the way to go whenever God has sent us and said, go. You go with my message and you go to stop us from sharing the gospel, from making disciples, of saying, I just don't know enough. Or, I don't, I'm, I'm scared to talk to people. Guys, if you have the message of the gospel and you understood what it is and what it meant, your fear of man would be gone. Just like Isaiah's fear left when he was in the presence of God. If you have the message of the gospel, it's meant to be given away. So anything that takes your eyes off of Jesus, if there's something in this room in your life, in your heart, in your mind, in your, in your home, whatever, if, if something is taking your eyes off of Jesus in his mission, that's your enemy. And I'm not saying your marriage, or y'all need to just figure that out on your own. Like, you know, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying husband or wife. I, that, they're not your enemy, okay? But the things that you worship, the idols that you worship, those types of things, if it takes your eyes off of Christ and, you, and his mission, then it's your enemy. Look what Paul said. Let's look at verse 15, chapter 15. Flip over there. Verses 14. I added two or three verses this week, so we're going to get 14 to 24. And this is what Paul said to Rome. He says, my brothers and sisters, I myself am convinced about you that you are also full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and are able to instruct one another. He's basically saying, you guys are growing and you're able, to, you're able to teach one another. You don't necessarily need me anymore, which anybody, a good pastor, a good leader, they work themselves out of a job. That's, that's, the, that's the beauty of, of, of leadership in the church. Nevertheless, I've written to remind you more boldly of some points because of the grace given to me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, serving as a priest of the gospel of God. My purpose is that the Gentiles may be an acceptable offering sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I have reason to boast in Christ Jesus regarding what pertains to God. For I would not dare say anything except that what Christ has accomplished through me by word and deed for the obedience of the Gentiles, by the power of miraculous signs and wonders, and by the power of God's Spirit as a result. I, am fully I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ from Jerusalem all the way to Illyricum. My aim is to preach the gospel where Christ has not yet been named so that I will not build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who are not told about him will see, and those who have not heard with him will understand. That's Isaiah 52. It's a prophecy of the gospel going out into all nations. Verse 22, that is why I have been prevented many times from coming to you. In chapter 1 in Romans, he said that he had longed to come to them so that he can impart a spiritual gift to them and be mutually edified. Remember that in Romans 1? And so that's what he's, he's, he's reemphasizing that. But now... I no longer have any work to do in these regions. Basically, he's saying, I don't have any work, more work to do among you because the gospel's there. You're teaching each other. Disciples are being made. I don't have anything else to do, so I'm going to move on to the next place. That don't make sense to us because we get, we get stuck in one place for so long. It's like, what? Think about this. Where am I at? Lost 24. Whenever I travel to Spain, for I hope to see you when I pass through and be assisted by you for my journey there, once I have first enjoyed your company for a while. Paul was writing Romans from Corinth. The distance between Jerusalem and Illyricum was about a thousand miles. The distance from Jerusalem to Spain, where he was trying to go, was about 2,300 miles. So to Paul, this was the ends of the earth. And I, 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 you like, do you like visual aids? We have some maps. Okay, I want to show you some maps. Can you show me the first one really quickly? Um, as you can see, 
um, this is, this is kind of where he was. And you see right there where Corinth is, you know, the book of Corinthians, that's where the book was written. You see that cluster of churches. You see him going all the way to Illyricum where those churches are at. So he's writing the book from Corinth and he's saying, listen, I've, I've, I've gone from Jerusalem all the way to Illyricum and the work here is done. There's churches, there's people being made disciples of, there's things that are happening that only God can do. I have nothing else to do in this region. Go to the next slide for me, please. And so you see, you move over to look, you see past Rome, there's nothing. And you see Spain is the next sensible place for Paul to go. And you see, where, where would the next thing, so Paul's going to move on to Spain. He never gets to go because he dies in, in, in Rome, he's beheaded. But you see the church in the future, you're going to see the church take over the, the entire Roman Empire. There's a, over two thirds of the Roman Empire will become Christians in the next hundred years. What I love about that. So move on to the next one. And so you can see the larger picture here, Jerusalem, Antioch. Antioch was the church planting hub where Paul and Barnabas were sent out of. And you see all these churches that were planted out of Antioch. And you see all the way up to Illyricum. And you see Paul going to Rome. You see Paul dying later in Rome, seeing people saved in Rome and sent out. Rome was strategic. The only logical explanation for Paul was to keep moving. The gospel's here. The gospel's here, gospel's here. We're growing in faith. Okay, well, let's, we're, let's go where the gospel is not. You just heard Paul say that, right? He said, I want to go where the gospel has not been named. My aim is to preach the gospel where Christ has not been named. And so my question is, if we know that the gospel is not in parts of Liberia, if we know that the gospel is not in Thailand, there's 400 unreached people groups within an hour drive of Thailand. If we know that, why are we not focusing our efforts to go to places where Christ has not been named? If you think about it, I think Paul, for Paul, Spain was the ends of the earth in his day. It was the unthinkable. Paul's singular goal in life was to carry the gospel to places where it wasn't known. And so this is the only thing that made biblical sense to Paul. He heard, he read the Bible. He heard what God had spoke to him. He, 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 he knew this is the only thing that made sense. I no longer have work to do in these regions. It pains me because I love you, but there's work to be done. I got to go. So what does that mean? Can you throw that last one back up? So all those red dots are churches in those cities. And inside those cities, there's probably multiple churches. Do you think everybody in those places were saved? No, that's, that's not what Paul is saying. He's saying the gospel is here. It's your job to take it out to people that don't know in here, but I'm going to move on. It's time for you to get to work. It's time for you to do this. And so that's what I love. And so, and so don't get me wrong, guys. Don't hear this wrong. There are places in Savannah, in Rinkin, and places where you live, in your communities where Christ is not fully known. And people who have a skewed sense of, sense of who Jesus is. But the world has been guilty of creating these versions of Jesus that aren't offensive and that agree with everything that you agree with. And we're called to give them the real Jesus. Because I want to tell you this this morning, if your Jesus agrees with everything that you agree with, that's an idol. That's not Jesus. Please hear that this morning because everyone is not called to go overseas. But everyone who knows and loves and follows Jesus is called to full-time foreign missions in some capacity. And this means to boldly declare the gospel, making disciples, making disciples, being fully engaged in the church. And what this looks like is making disciples where you are, whether that's Savannah, wherever you may live at, and then being committed to going to make disciples where disciples are not being made, wherever the gospel is not known. And we all have a role that we're called to. And so that may be across the street, it may be across the globe, because remember, the, the message, the, the gospel, the mission is not divided, it's, it's holistic. 
Last week, what we said, we said that every saved person this side of heaven owes the gospel to every unsaved person this side of hell. Which means that you might be called to the nations. It means you might be called to be a church planner or on a church planning team. It might mean that you're called to go. Because what I know is we're all called as believers to leverage our lives to see the gospel reach the ends of the earth. And this looks different for every person. In the context of, a, of global buy-in, I think you can look at it in four different ways. You have the goer. You have the goer that goes onto places. You have the goer who is on the front line. There's the ones that, like BJ was talking about, they, they go, they move their life there, they, they invest in the people there, they make disciples, they share the gospel where it's not at. Well, then you have the senders. You have a senders. What you see with the senders, they're the rope holders. So there's a famous missionary that says, I'll go, but I need you to hold the rope. I'll go down into the pit, but you have to hold the rope. We're called to hold the rope for the people that are going. That means we're supporting them financially with resources, with prayer, with encouragement. We go visit. You may say, you go, I'll give, and I'll pray. But you better be committed to praying because the, the testimony of missions is the answer, is answer prayers of the church. And then you have the mobilizers. These are the strategic the strategic, the strategizers, the strategic motivators, they catch, they cast vision, they catch vision, they cast vision relentlessly, they encourage giving to missions, educate people on missions. These are the ones that yearn to be on the field but have stayed behind to rally the troops. These are the ones that fire people up to go. And then finally, probably the most important is the fourth one, is the prayer. The prayer, someone who is, who is the intercessor, they're praying, they're getting text messages in the middle of the night about a pastor's family in Liberia who is sick, who are in trouble, or who, God forbid, any bad thing from happening, but who, who may have faced some, some hardships or challenges where we're called to get on our knees and, and intercede for those people until we hear they've been delivered or, or healed or, or been restored. The intercessor. So this morning, your role in the mission may change as your life changes. Your, your role in missions may change after you retire because you have more time, right? You may be able to go after you retire. You may not be able to do all the things whenever you're a high school student. There's ways that you can get involved. As your life changes, you, the way that you are able to live missionally ch changes also. But the one thing that never changes is that if you're a follower of Jesus, you're in service to the king. Capital T, the king and you never retire out of his service, ever. You're always in service to the king. You're called to go wherever he calls you to go and share the gospel wherever you go. I have one point today, and we're, as we're about to close, I have one point, one point. God's purposes in scripture have to be the foundation for our purposes in life. God's purposes in scripture have to be the foundation for our purposes in life. And I want to be very bold and speak this this morning. If they aren't, then you're not following Jesus. If God's purposes in the word is not what's foundational in your life, then you're not following Christ. You're following an idol or you're, or you're loosely following Jesus and you may not know him. Because I want to tell you something, when you really know, know, know Jesus, you live your life in obedience to Jesus. When you come to a realization to who Christ is, you live on mission. His purposes are the foundation for your life, where you live, how you spend your money, how you spend your talents, how you spend your time are the foundation that are built on Jesus. And so if they're not, we're not following Jesus. 
because you can't follow Jesus without joining him on his mission. Like, I know it's crazy to say, but you can't follow Jesus without following Jesus. Does that make sense? Like, you can't follow Jesus if you're just standing and he's going right. And so the point of that is that, is that, is that and here is the sad part of how our culture has taught us to follow Jesus. Because if your life is not being lived as a part of God's mission and purposes, and then it's a purposeless life in the light of eternity. You may have a great life for 60 or 70 years, but when it comes to eternal things, what is your life going to say? When you give your life to Christ at the end of the life, are you going to be able to say, God, I lived every second for you? I lived every second to adore and worship you. I did all these things. Even if you do some really awesome things. And yeah, kids are going to come in to be a part of our, because our, listen, I want to tell you, I, we didn't, I, didn't, I didn't warn you. Listen, I didn't warn you, but we want your children to see what the body of Christ looks like. What the body of Christ looks like when it comes to giving, when it comes to praying for our church, when it comes to, remember I told you, we want to see the next generation fill these seats one day and be able to go and to give and to be a part of the mission of God. Remember we said that? That's the heart. So that's my blurb, sorry. And here's the thing, guys, that will hit you in your pride. We don't get to choose what God's mission is and what it's not. Unfortunately, we don't get a say in God's mission, right? Which is beautiful in itself. It's a grace in itself. Guys, it's clear in Scripture, and it's confirmed by the Holy Spirit what God's mission is. As you read the Bible, the Holy Spirit will confirm to you what God has called you to do. And until every person has heard the message of the gospel, we have to have an urgency within the church to go to see God's mission become our own. Listen, this isn't about a church preference. Oh, I don't like this church because it talks about missions too much. Listen, that's, this, that's not what this is about. This is about any church, anywhere you go that doesn't preach going, you, you need to find another church. Like I said, you don't have to come here. You don't have to give here. But I pray that you would go to a church that preaches the gospel relentlessly and that has a, has a plan to go to the nations to see the plan of God fulfilled. You can, you're welcome here. I'm just saying. Our culture has created a passivity and a consumerism in the church. Do you hear that? Our culture in us has created a passivity and a consumerism in the church that goes directly against the gospel of how we've been called to live, and it teaches us to feel without acting, right? We've become very, we've become very comfortable in our convictions, I get convicted. Man, that was a good sermon. Remember when he talked about like every saved person on this side of heaven owes the gospel to every unsaved person on this side of hell. Man, that got me. I'm going to put it on Facebook. All right, back to life. That's how the, our culture has taught us to live. C.S. Lewis said this, the more often we feel without acting, the less we'll ever be able to act. And in the long run, the less we'll be able to feel. Anybody in this room ever felt numb when it comes to the Lord? Anybody ever felt numb when it comes to the Lord? The more often we feel without acting, the less we'll ever be able to act. And in the long run, the less we'll be able to feel. Guys, this is where a large majority of the church in America falls. But I sense a revival. I sense a revival happening in the American church where you're going to have to choose. There's going to be a line drawn in your life very soon where you're going to follow Jesus or you're going to follow religion. There's a, there's a line that's being drawn right now. I can sense it in our country. The Lord is moving. But we want to kill this trend 
in the church. We want to be first-generation church that is leveraging our time, treasure, and talent to see the kingdom built here. C.S. Lewis also said, we talked about this last week, the church exists for nothing else but to draw men to Christ and women, men and women, to draw people to Christ. There we go, people. And there, there are many ways God chooses to draw people to himself, but scripture most often presents this happening through the local church. In Acts 2, the new believers enjoyed fellowship, served together. Then people were saved through their commitment to obedience over comfort. This is why one of our value statements here at Connection Church is every member is a missionary. We believe every member of Connection Church is called to be on mission. There's no question of if you're called. The question is, where are you called and how are you called? That's the question. Then, and then we call to then we call to follow him, and it's the and it's it's the call to be sent or to be sent, to be sent or to sin. Excuse me. In the Bible, we find no gap between the call to follow Jesus and the call to live on mission. None. Hudson Taylor, the founder of the Inland China Mission, once says, "The Great Commission is not an option to be considered, but a command to be obeyed." Hear that this morning. We want to see a, every member of Connection Church obey the Great Commission and be an active part of reaching the nations, whether that's an, as a goer, a sender, a mobilizer, or a prayer. Whether that's across your street or across your office or across the oceans. So how are we planning on accomplishing these huge goals that God has put on our hearts? We have to surrender. This morning, if you're not surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in your life and you're saying, hey, I'm a Jesus follower, you're not telling the truth. And I'm telling you this morning, we're called to surrender our goals, our plans, our dreams, our aspirations to the Lordship of Jesus and allow him to give us back a hundredfold what we gave. We're called to submit. We're called to submit our lives, our time, our treasure, our talents to his cause because he is the only one that is going to fulfill us like we want to be filled. And then we're called to have faith. Have faith to trust in him and his word. The Bible says anyone who asks the Lord to praise and doesn't have faith shouldn't expect to receive anything. We're called to have faith. Isaiah 26, 4, this is the last verse we want to read today. It says, trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord, the Lord himself is the rock eternal. Guys, we believe that God has called us to depend on him and him alone. We believe God has called us to invest in the local church. We believe God has called us to reach into our communities. And we believe God has called us to go to the ends of the earth. And we want to take bold steps of obedient faith where if God doesn't move, we look crazy. Since the beginning of Connection Church Savannah, some of you guys have been here from the beginning. We've prayed and we've fasted and over and over and over again, God showed up and he answered. Don't overlook that. The, the fact that you're sitting, your rear end in a black chair shows God's faithfulness. Amen. The fact that you're sitting in a place like this, I can't believe that God provides like he has. He's answered so many prayers, God. In just a moment, we're going to go into a, a time of commitment. Before we do that, though, uh, all, of that, all of this is going to be determined by our level of investment. We can only go as far as we 
are invested and rooted in the mission of God and we take ownership of that Genesis to Revelation mission and vision that we talked about. My question for y'all last week and for this week is will we be a church that reaches our generation with the gospel? I believe we will. I believe a whole people group will be reached through our faithfulness to see God's glory reach the ends of the earth. I believe it to my bones. But the question is, do you? Do you have big faith in what God can and will do through your life surrendered and submitted to him? And it all comes back to that question. Does God get your first and your best of everything in your life? In just a few minutes, as you feel led, we're going to have an opportunity as, as a way of declaring to the Lord today that, Lord, I'm all in with what this house is doing, what you're doing in this world around me, what you're doing in this church. I'm all in for what you're trying to do, God. We want to be a church that goes first and gives our first and our best to see your kingdom built here. Lord, use me. Guys, this is what being heart and soul at Connection Church is all about. For your first time here this morning, heart and soul is we don't want a long list of members at a church who, whose names are on a roll. We want a long list of names who are heart and soul after the mission of God and the vision that God's given our church to see disciples made and churches multiplied among the nations starting right here. That's what we want to see. And in just a moment, we can, we're going to give an offering above what we normally give so we can go beyond where we normally go. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to sign a new heart and soul banner. If you're a heart and soul member this morning, sign that thing. If, and, but let me tell you this. Don't sign that thing if your heart and soul and, and you're, you're not really invested. I'm just gonna be real with you. We wanna see people who are all in with this church, what God's doing, not necessarily with this church, just what God's doing. With the, the vision that he's given, where, he, where we're trying to go, where we have to be together in this. If, if you're signed up for the January the 9th heart and soul, sign that banner. If you're here for the first time, you're like, hey, I wanna be in with what happened, what's happening here. Sign that banner and then go out there and sign up for heart and soul. And get involved with what God is doing in this place. And this is also a way, if you sign the banner, if you're not heart and soul, I'm gonna look on there and be like, hey, this Meredith called this person because they signed a banner. They need to sign up for the January night class. So be careful. But what I want you to do is I want you to think long and hard before you give, before you pray, before you sign a banner, because your name on that banner means nothing unless you're going and giving and, and being a part of the God's mission means nothing. But all that does is it says, hey, I'm in with this person. All these people's names, I'm in with that. I'm in with them. We're doing this together. It's not just me. It's not just Michael or Savannah. It's not just a staff member or an elder. It's all of us together doing this as one body. That's the heart. We want to see Hope Academy, who's reaching 28 unreached people groups in Savannah. We want to see Thrive Savannah, who is combating Planned Parenthood right now. As we saw Miss Paula a couple weeks ago, come share. We want to see the foundling house in Haiti's reach. We want to see within reach, global and Thailand supported. We want to see ARC International, those pastors not have to worry about food or transportation or their salaries or whatever it may be. We want to support those people. And as we go into this above and beyond time of offering and commitment time, guys, we believe the first thing we always need to do before taking a step is to pray. Before we send out people into our community, we need to pray. Before we go to the nations, we need to pray. As you come today, pray. Don't do anything without God directing you to pray and to go. And as you come today, come prayerful. Come prayerful. It's all to give you a time to be with your family. Come to this altar, pray, give, 
sign a banner, grab your neighbor, pray with them. We're the body of Christ. God has saved us. For those of you who are saved this morning, I just want to do a quick thing. Guys, this morning, if, if, you're, if you're one of the people that I've been talking about who needs to be saved this morning, I pray that you wouldn't leave without coming to a, a saving knowledge of who Christ is because Jesus did something for you 2,000 years ago. He died on the cross because you needed to be saved. You, you, had, you have sin. You had sin in your life that if you carried it to your grave, you would be separated from God forever. But Christ, but God sent him, Jesus, who had no sin to become sin on our behalf so that we, through Jesus, could become the righteousness of God. If that's you this morning, if you've never come to a faith in Christ, and you say, hey, today is the day of salvation. I believe that message. I'm never, never committed to Christ, but this day I'm doing that. Would you just raise your hand and let us pray with you this morning? Is there anybody today who wants to go from death to life this morning in Christ? Who said, hey, I, I never followed Christ, but this morning I need to. Is that anybody? Okay. All right, I wanna pray for us. And as I pray, you guys pray, you come. Um, this is going to be a time of, for you to respond to the Lord. Um, do whatever the Lord calls you to do. There's, a, there's an offering bucket at the front as a sign of faith. If you want to give online, you can go online and give and just, just under, the, under the fund name put above and beyond 2021, you'll see it on there. But there's no pressure. This is your first time here this morning. There's no pressure to give. Just sit back and ask God what, you want him, what he wants you to do. So I want to pray for us. God, we love you. We thank you for all that you've done and all that you are. God, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for the, for the cross. Lord, we thank you for what it means to be heart and soul with your mission of seeing the nation's reach, of seeing disciples made. I pray this morning that we would be about your business. I pray that we would be a church that honors you first, that goes first, God, that says yes fast. I pray that we would not be a church that's complacent. I pray that we would throw away our inhibitions and our, and our fears and our worries, God, and we would submit to you, Father, like you've called us to submit to you. God, I pray that our children in this room would be see their parents living as an example during these moments, God, of the church, of that we're not just a, a we're not just a church that meets on Sunday, God. We're a gathering of Christ-centered, spirit-filled, gospel-focused people who are about your business. God, I pray this morning that, that we would be a church that is unified around your name, a unified around your renown of the seeing your name reach the farthest reaches of our planet, God. I pray that we would throw fear away. God, we would not be fearful of man, God, but we would be more fearful of you. We would submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ in our life. God, work in us, work through us, Father. Don't let us be stagnant. Don't let us be complacent. Don't let us be bored with you, Father. I pray that you would speak life into this church this morning, God. I pray for the people in this room that are, that are numb in their faith, God. I pray that you would breathe new life, fresh wind, fresh fire into them this morning, God. I pray that you would make us a church uh, that, is, that is laser focused on where you're calling us, God, and that one day we will stand before you, faithful servants of you, Father. We would say, you would hear you say, well done, good and faithful servants. God, we love you. We praise you. God, we give you glory. Everything that's done in this moment is for your glory and your lordship in our life. God, nothing is about us. It's all for you. It's all about you. God, take every cent that is given and send it where you want it, God. Take every person's signature, every person's life, and have them invest in wherever you're calling them to invest, God, and to be a part of what you're calling us to be a part of. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. As you guys feel loud, you come.